0: You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members
1: Only Podcast. Testimonial inserts. Hard to overdo. It's impossible to overdo the use of testimonials. Um, And if there is one consistent flaw in all of the stuff that is sent to me to critique, it's either the absence of or the uh, insufficient quantity of or the underuse of testimonials. You cannot overdo this. Uh, And so you want to use all the good ones you got and use them in as many different ways as you can think of. Uh, We now start to see more and more teaser envelope controls where there's testimonials and pictures on the outside of the envelope. I think that's smart. Uh, If you want a loose piece to fall out of your mailing uh, either a note from a testimonial or a trifold with a bunch of pictures and testimonials in it, a fold-out with testimonials, a brochure, a testimonials. You can't beat testimonials. When in doubt, use more. Yes? What if it's a startup business that doesn't have any? Well, you can make them up. Um, however, uh, however, uh, well, I figured I might as well give you the, you know, the um uh however, I do not recommend that. Uh uh At least not officially. Um um no as uh, often counsel clients, no amount of money in the world is worth even one night in a small dank square room uh with a cellmate named Brutus. <laughs> Um, and, and that's a quick way to get there. Um, if you don't have them, you've got to create. The first thing you've got to know is that anything you do without them, the response will be severely diminished. So if you are going through a period of agony where you don't have them and are waiting to get them, you've got to know that your numbers do not reflect what real numbers will be, somewhere between double or better is a pretty good rule of thumb Uh, and in all probability you're going to go through a period of time where you lose money uh, 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 on your sales, on your customer acquisition until such time as you have testimonial ammunition to work with. Having said that, that obviously begs trying to fix the problem some other way than waiting a year uh, and marketing during that year. All kinds of ways to do it depending on the business you're in. Um, In many cases, like in television. Uh, when we're taking a new product to an infomercial, we'll get a group of u- a user group together and manufacture the testimonials. Um, uh, a skincare product, you know, it's got is ideal because it's got like a two week or three week effectiveness. So you can or a diet product, you can run a cattle call ad in a newspaper, bring in a bunch of people who will use the product for free, keep them in a control group, uh, uh, coach them, make sure they get good results have them use the thing for two weeks, now you got a group of testimonials. Um, you can, so you can give your thing to people for free, get it used, create testimonials. You can uh, run with uh, industry, if you're in an industry, if you're in a niche market, you can start out with, without users but with industry endorsers, other experts uh, who are known in the industry who will say this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You can fuzzy testimonials. If you have them from some other place, Um, let's say uh, in the information business it's very common to have them from a seminar but now not have them for the new product. You can use the seminar testimonials either as is and make the case that the seminar is now in the product or you can, with their permission, alter the testimonial to make it vaguer. So instead of saying, as a result of Harry's seminar, it's as a result of Harry's methods or as a result of Harry's teaching, or as, which is now generic enough to encompass the product. Um, uh, you can, uh, going from one niche to the next, um, it, uh, it, some, like in some cases there's licensees here of Joe's where they've used Joe's testimonials initially for in a niche where they weren't and just dropped the niche out. So they're all carpet cleaners talking about the carpet cleaning marketing system. They're now just not identified as carpet cleaners, and the word carpet cleaning is taken out of the testimonial, and they're talking about a marketing system, and they're not identifying what kind of business they are, and the person in pest control assumes they're pest control people because he's a pest control person, and he got a pitch for pest control people. Um, all of that is second rate compared to Really good, real time. So you fix it as quick as you can. As soon as you get one good one, you feature the one good one, and you start lopping off the worst of the makeshift ones. Okay. Is that yes? You have a follow-up question. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Good. Yes. Uh, first a statement and a question. Uh, I don't know if we allow statements. Yeah, yeah, I got go go, go. Uh, it
0: was about testimonials and what you said to do, you said in one your take or something, get it. I work with cardiers. And I help them uh get more business by attacking their database. Sold, not sold yet. We send out two letters a sold letter and not sold yet. Um uh, on the not sold yet letter work again the first time the customer comes in, I'm having the salesman now collect testimonials like you recommended, put those in First day not so yet, but
1: thanks for coming in. By the way, he has tax, 15 testimonials.
0: And what we have seen is a 37% increase in the amount of closing over not sending the
1: testimonials. Want to bump it more? Is that the question? Well, that's my thing. I mean, yeah, that's the other question. I'll answer that in a second. Well, I
0: don't open that last, I opened
1: that first. Of course. Well, do we want to open it last or first? Well, it, it, we want it not to matter. That's the question. Because some will follow directions. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Some won't. So if you do a open and read this last, or open and read this only after you've read my entire letter, or some variation of that, the guts have to not matter. So the guts have to do two things they they have to stand alone in whatever message they're delivering and they have to stimulate readership of the main thing just as if it had not been read, okay? Now, to your other question, which is, first of all, I'm not surprised at the 37%, um, and, um, and so, you know, a, a congratulations, but it is not surprising. Uh, now, if you want to bump it more, uh, the thing to test is more testimonials every which way you can so there's quantity and then there's means of delivering them so in your case uh, if you're using 15 now try 30 <laughs> uh, you, 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 you may see a bump okay? uh, if you're sending them all out in print uh, try getting 8 eight ten really good ones on an audio tape and send an audio tape um, if that gives you a bump Get eight or ten really good ones on a videotape uh, next to with their new car um, and showing the cars and the kid and the dog getting in the minivan and while they 're giving their testimonial and send out the videotape and see what that does. Um, uh, send a book of testimonials with two hundred of them in there, uh, bound as a book on and on well we 're talking about the car business you know they got high transaction value. Um, um, in fact, you know, close to license to steal, not not anymore, huh? Um, but basically, you're probably going to get, you're probably going to keep bumping it. The more of it that you do, and you may be able to justify fairly expensive stuff like videotapes. Well, we
0: have a. Uh, the
1: Well, you can do a lot, obviously. You can do video, you can do priority delivery, you can do multi-step sequences. You know, you can do a lot. Testimonials make great postcards. One great testimonial story per postcard, send them a postcard every day for 10 days. I mean, you've got all sorts of options. Put in an eavesdrop line that they can call and hear current tests, on and on and on and on. You cannot overuse these things. And if you're gonna have something fall out loose, In a mailing campaign, it's hard to go wrong with testimonials. Uh, Yes, sir.
0: If you weren't a celebrity and you said a great thing about my product, would I be an idiot to say D. Kennedy, Arizona? After that,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, it's better than saying than not saying Arizona. Um, The more information you provide about a testimonial, the better. I'm going to show you some examples, you know, this afternoon, but. The one thing you never want to do is do them blind, okay, where it's initials. Uh, that's the low, You might as well not do them at all. Okay? And the more you identify them, the better. And if you have a if you have a celebrity who's not a known celebrity, uh, it could be like my kind of celebrity, where it's I call us famous people that nobody's ever heard of. Okay? I mean, we're famous with you know within our customer base, but the general public. Nobody's going to be asking me for autographs when we take our break, our, our lunch break. You know, I mean, I could safely walk through a mall, and you know, I don't get mobbed. Uh, but I may have more value to you if you identify me as author of such and such a book, right? Or a popular speaker who shares programs with him to him to him to him. To him to, there's ways to. So, if you got a testimonial from the third astronaut to walk on the moon, how many people can name who he was? <laughs> This is like this is this is as bad as the Jay Leno on the street deal where nobody knows anything. Uh, well, but it's a but see so so his name has no value to you, right? Because nobody knows who the hell he is. So you got to put whatever his name is because I don't know who he is either. You know, Al 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 Al, Al Rabinowitz, third third astronaut to walk on the moon. See, so if you're going to use him to sell water filters. Just putting his name in his pictures, of, you know. Now, if you've got his picture in his spacesuit, that helps. And if you identify him, that helps some more. So, testimonials have to be identified to have value. Yes, sir. What's the most effective way to get your customer to give you a slam dunk testimony? First and foremost, have a really happy customer. Uh, it's hard to get great testimonials out of. <laughs> Um, it's not impossible by the way but it's difficult um, so it helps to have you know, people who are genuinely thrilled right? uh, and then the best way is to be very straight with them about what you're trying to accomplish and in 9 out of 10 cases you're going to have to help them write it or write it for them so you are going to have to interview them on the phone, download it, write it send it for approval you're going to have to rewrite what they write uh, in some cases, they'll say, just write down what you want, let me see it. But you're going to have to be actively involved in the process. Now, you will get, if it's a function of volume, too. Uh, like I know in your business, you're dealing with very small numbers. So it's, it's going to be fairly rare for you to get a really great one where they did it all on their own. You didn't have to ask for it. It's unsolicited and it's usable the way you got it. Some of us who are doing sizable volume, I'd say 10% of the ones that come in unsolicited, I can use the way they came. They're, they're well-written. They have specifics in them. They, all the things we're going to talk about that makes a good testimonial, they got. And so it's a function of numbers. I get enough I can use without having to get on the phone and without, you know. But if I had to, I, I'd be calling them and I'd be grinding them out. There was one up here, and then we need to move up. Was it Yes. You mean like no result for most of it? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you got if you got something that takes a long time before people get results from it, you've got two options. You're only going to get your testimonials from people who've had it for a long time, uh, or you you could actually got three options. You need to jerry rig something into the product or the service that gets that gives them some short term value some experience that they can comment on, uh, or you've got to uh, get all the kind of testimonials that have nothing to do with the core value of the product, But the customer service was good, uh, the thing came assembled, everything else has come to me in pieces, I didn't have to put it together, I I was amazed how easy it was, I thought it was going to be hard to use, you've got to get testimonials for everything but the actual outcome. and then you're still gonna need the outcome testimonials, but at least you can get your quantity that way, okay? I'm gonna try and get through this list before we break real quick. Um, Where were we? Testimonial inserts. article reprints. Uh, In some cases, as good as testimonials. uh, In some cases, better. Um, Certainly, if an article has appeared about you or your product or your service in a very credible publication or one you can make credible by the way you explain what it is, uh, then having that reprint uh, can be very useful as a component part of a mailing. Audio tapes and videotapes. tapes. Uh, audio, uh, very useful. Uh, cheap, uh, not, uh, same price range as doing color brochures. Uh, best benefits, length. Think how much you can say in six, 60 minutes. Uh, the most you can pack into a shell, by the way, is 92 uh... people probably will not read ninety two minutes worth of stuff but they will listen to ninety two minutes worth of stuff uh... secondly they can't skim you control the order in which they get the information third you can dramatize it voice inflection uh, multiple voices interviews testimonials in their own voices music sound effects etc uh... everybody's got an audio player in their car a lot of people listen to them as they drive around there's pass-along effect and in many cases buyers tell us they listen to them repetitively videos More expensive, obviously, highly effective Um, for presentation of testimonials, presentation of demonstrations. Um, uh, In many cases, if you do a video brochure, a tip I'll give you is it should be shot, it should be done like an infomercial even if you're not gonna air it. Uh, Keep in mind that when people watch a videotape, where do they watch it? On TV. Uh, So TV should look like TV. Uh, It shouldn't be a pitch, core just bland, dry, straight, it should look like a show. So the same decisions we make in infomercials you make about video brochures, format, should it have a set, should it have a host, should it look like a news program, good news. You're not as scrutinized in video brochures as you are in infomercials we air on TV. So you can do stuff we can't do anymore. Like you can make it really look like a news program, we can't do that anymore. Sure. Yeah, now there's some automatic, you have to sell people on watching the, the video. There's some automatic uh, compliance with either audio or video because there's a reluctance to chuck it. Uh, and, and, and there's a curiosity factor, what's on it. There's a perceived value. So there's some automatic compliance. But beyond that, sure, same lift note, what's on the label, all the same things that would apply to any other tool long form tool apply to a video. And yes, you want to sell them on watching it if you can. Books. Um, yeah. How long should the video be approximately? Um, as here's the answer to that. How long should the video be? That's the same question as how long should the sales letter be? Right? Uh, the same question is how long should the book be? Um, Uh, Not long ago, I I, I, I had to go through licensing for my harness racing driving test, and they still have the same idiot question they had on the test 30 years ago, which is how long should a head pole be? Now, a head pole's thing goes from the harness to the nose of the horse to keep his head straight. Well, horses' necks have different lengths. So how long should the head pole be? The answer is long enough to reach from the thing to the nose, right? You can't so the job long enough to do the job. That's the answer. And so, if you can do a great presentation in eight minutes, then by all means, do an eight-minute video. But if you can do a great presentation and you can effectively use sixty minutes, do sixty minutes. Um, a lot of video people will tell, oh, it should get anything longer than eleven minutes, they're not going to. Well, that's the same crap as nobody's going to read a sixteen-page sales letter. Uh, People will sit still for an enormous amount of presentation if it is of interest to them and if it's not boring. Uh, Years ago, we had a sales process uh, where before they could buy, they had to to sign an affidavit that they had listened to all six 90-minute audio tapes and watched six hours of video. And they couldn't buy before they did all that. And they had to sign an affidavit that they had did it. And uh, did they do it? You bet, in massive numbers. So the answer is long enough to do the job. Uh, we'll stop in the middle of the list. You guys can't sit still anymore, and I don't blame you. It's 10:30. Uh, try try and do this break in 15 minutes, please. I'm going to start whether you're back in 15 minutes or not. Oh, yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. Um. So we do need to rock and roll. Um, uh, Books. Um, One of the best users um, of books as marketing tools, if you want to look for a model, is uh, a um, high-level financial planning guy by the name of Barry Kay. You will see his uh, ads in uh, Investor's Business Daily, the airline magazine, some of the financial magazines. Uh, In many markets in the country, he has affiliates, and so you'll see the ads for their free seminars in the newspaper. Uh, Answer them. uh, Get the books. You can also buy them in the bookstores. Um, It would behoove you to get one of his books if this interests you and read it because he does a marvelous job of doing a book that has the patina, the appearance of information value, but fundamentally is nothing but a 300-page sales letter. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what they are supposed to be. Um, uh, why would you do this? Well, two reasons. One, to get it read, um, and because it has some inherent credibility. If you make sure it looks like a book smells like a book in every way shape and form appears to be a book that you would buy in the bookstore um, which he has done marvelously now again to use this type of tool you have to have a certain level of transaction value and all of that to support the cost because you're probably talking about a tool in the three dollar or so range um, to achieve the bookstore look Uh, a step down from that is the booklet uh, that may or may not be perfect bound but is more like uh, more like the how to make four thousand dollars a day a little yellow book that we use in the JPTK business how many of you have that okay many of you um, it's pure sales letter uh, I don't Yeah, there's maybe one page of useful information but the, but the rest of it is um, but the rest of it is pure sales it's simply a disguised sales letter just has an infomercial as a disguise sales presentation. Uh, These things work because they get read by people who would not read it if it was handed to them as a sales letter and because it has some level of inherent credibility. Uh, Should they be part of your direct mail scheme? Probably. When you write them, all of the same copywriting things we're going to talk about that has to do with creating good copy apply to them just as it does to a sales letter. Uh, Coupons and certificates as enclosures. Um, Often it makes sense. uh, If you have a spectacular guarantee, for example, you may want to enclose a separate guarantee certificate to emphasize that guarantee. Uh, If you've got a really great bonus gift, uh, you may want to use a separate coupon or certificate that is a loose piece that does nothing but present the bonus gift. Um, And so those can be effective as parts of your direct mail package. And last, of course, you want some kind of order form or response form um, in almost every instance as part of your direct mail package. Uh, In some cases, you may be just driving them to a phone number and only giving them one way to respond. Uh, We are increasingly, even in lead generation ads, giving them options of response. They can call the phone number, hear the recorded message, or they can fax in their business card, or um, um, I I, I prefer giving options whenever I can. Those are, again, a zillion other things you can put in direct mail packages, but there's your short list. Um, That's the list you ought to work off of uh, in 90% of the cases, and for most of you, you would never need to go beyond this list in order to continually uh, run your business. Uh, let's start to talk about copy. Um, let me give you the short list of um, of formulas um, to write to formula. Um, you know, they're not necessarily in order here, so I'm not going to talk about them in order. Um, the The three main copy formulas, skip the first line for a second, we'll come back to that. The three main copy formulas that you can live off of our uh, problem, agitate, solve. Uh, that means, and again, when we go through exhibits this afternoon, you're going to see these things, and I'll point them out to you over and over and over again. Uh, problem, agitate, solve is you state a problem that is of uh, burning uh, interest to the group to whom you are writing to. You uh, whip them up into an emotional fervor about the problem. Um, and then uh, just about the time that uh, that they are suicidal about the severity and horror of this problem, you reveal the magic uh, a solution to the problem. That's the formula. Um, this is nothing new. It's like sales 101. And the best copy is built on sales 101. <clears throat> this is the way every burglar alarm has been sold since the beginning of time. Most insurance has been sold this way face to face. It's a very, very reliable formula that does not seem to wear out, even when it is used with the same customers repetitively. Uh, and so you, you, you can live off of it for a long, long time. Basic befores and afters, uh, a simple before and after story. I was fat, now I'm thin. I was broke, now I'm rich. I was dumb, now I'm smart. Uh, you know, Richard Pryor's joke about the perfect before and after is: I, I, I used to be a poor black guy who lived on the wrong side of the tracks, and I'm a rich white guy. That's as that's as that's as dramatic a before and after as you can possibly have. And, and just as dramatic before and after pictures work, dramatic before and after word pictures work. Um, uh, how, how many of you here have watched the Robinson in, infomercials that, you know over the years, off and on? Well, less than I would have thought. Got to, uh, the man, yeah. huh? The man. Uh, got to pay attention to those things uh, because they're great direct. You know, it's the hardest arena to make direct response work is television. So what works there will work even better anywhere else. And uh, Tony tells the having to wash the dishes in the bathtub story because I was so poor I lived in an apartment that didn't have a sink now here's my helicopter in my castle it's before and after it's fundamental uh, and so you 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 could pretty much make a living with that format uh, last one sales 101 is the aida formula if you've ever taken a sales training seminar uh, you've been taught it uh, uh the first step is of course commanding their attention and there are various ways and sundry ways to do that then you have to build their interest in what it is that you have to offer you have to create specific uh, desire, present an offer, and you have to close for uh, action. One other formula i call your attention to, um, how many of you watch the uh, Kevin uh, Trudeau infomercials, any of them? Okay, good. Good thing to watch. Uh, Kevin's a great pitch person. And if you will pay close attention to them, you will see that uh, Kevin is living off of the same formula in every single show. Um, and, um, and, and here, here it is. Um, he encapsulates a very simple promise, something everybody understands, like 30 seconds. Um, he will then give an example of that promise happening. Uh, he will then restate the same promise virtually word for word as he said it the first time. He will then either have a testimonial or he will tell a testimonial story. Barbara Smith and him, and he will then state the same promise again exactly as he said it the first two times. Um, A a good show to watch is is the one where he is not the host but is the pitch person. It's the one you'll see this most glaringly uh, where they sell a mega memory. Uh, And you won't just see it on TV, you'll hear it on the radio too because it's a radio infomercial as well. Uh, a nice formula, good, simple formula. You could use it throughout a sales letter uh, just as effectively as it is used on TV. Um, uh, One of the things you wanna do, and we're gonna talk about headlines and subheads at some length in a few minutes, uh, but because uh, you gotta use a lot of these. Um, uh, 16-page sales letter, if you've got four subheads a page, uh, you need 64 headlines. Um, uh, and these are uh, critically important. So if you're going to write fast, uh, you've got to reduce these to formula. You cannot be sitting around thinking up headlines from scratch. There is not that much time on planet Earth. So you've got to reduce this to formula, and you've got to get it down to X number of things that you use over and over and over again. So your most important swipe file is the headline swipe file. And ultimately, you want to take the headlines that you see repeatedly and that you know that work and that you believe in, and you want to turn them into a fill-in-the-blank thing that you can use over and over again. So they all laughed when I sat down at the piano until I started to play becomes they all laughed when blank until I blank. And now you can use that over and over and over again and you ought to have a fairly reliable little list of twenty or thirty or forty or fifty of those that you can keep using over and over and over again. It'll speed your copywriting maybe faster than any other single thing that you can do. I've got two hundred personally that I use and many of them came out of the list in the Victor Schwab book. We'll talk about resources a little later for, for those of you that don't have that list of the hundred greatest headlines. Um, but like the Capels headline belongs on everybody's list, that they all laughed list. And when we go through the exhibits, I'll show you how a lot of people are using it and are using it over and over again and are using it successfully. If you want to write copy fast, you need that little bank of 50 to 100 to 200 fill-in-the-blank headlines that you can keep using for your headlines and your subheads over and over and over again. Uh, You don't want to be thinking them up from scratch and as quickly as possible you don't even want to have to be sifting through a swipe file looking at actual examples. You just want the fill in the blank formulas on a couple sheets of paper that you can go down and uh, that one will work. Fill in the blank, move on to the next one. That speeds the process enormously. Um, Internal repetition Uh, It's an important copywriting technique, particularly when you do long-form copy. You want to drive home the same fundamental message over and over and over again. Um, uh, And so it's important when you start out to write a piece, whether it's an ad or a letter, whatever, to figure out what the core message is, what the three- or four-sentence thing is that they must get in order for them to buy from you, And then that's what you want to hammer home over and over and over again through the piece to the point that you believe you are being unnecessarily redundant. For example, if you're going to emphasize the guarantee, I'll show you examples in the exhibits that you have where there's like two pages devoted to the guarantee. Well, How can you... Fill two pages talking about a guarantee. You fill two pages talking about a guarantee by saying the same thing over and over again 56 times. That's how you fill two pages talking about a guarantee. And that is what is necessary to drive home that point so people get it. So you got to pick what your core message is and drive it home. Another good formula is to what I call flip the pitch so that you lead with the premium and the product becomes the secondary issue rather than the premium being the secondary issue and in fact if you have a control if you have an ad or a piece that works direct mail campaign that works right now and it's a good control for you and you want to see if you can bump it flip it just take that piece and flip the pitch take what is now the primary product you're selling that you're spending seventy or eighty percent of your time talking about and the premiums, the bonuses, that you're spending 20 or 30% of your time talking about and flip the emphasis. Talk about all the bonuses first and give them 70% of the time and talk about the product last and give it a third of the time, okay? And you could save virtually the same, you'd have to write a new copy. Pretty much all you're gonna do is switch it and expand one and shorten the other, okay? Often, you'll get a bump or if you've got one that's been working but is fading, This is a way without having to create a lot of new stuff to buy some more time in the marketplace. Or if you're doing a sequence, it's a way to get variety in the sequence. Early in the sequence, it can be product first, premium second. Later in the sequence, it can be premium first, product second. It's a very reliable formula. You see it most often in the newsletter business. When you look for models, and I think most of the ones I'll show you, are from that business, where the emphasis is all on the 16 bonuses you get when you subscribe. And oh, by the way, you also get a newsletter. Um, uh, but it, but it's not relegated to that industry. It works in any business. You can move this idea. Yeah, R.D. Yeah, I was going to ask, generation for does that work pretty good you the as well? Well, you don't have a flip to do between product and premium. But, well, It's entirely different process than what I've just described to you. You're you're talking about about moving copy around, um, and the answer to your question is no. Uh, Normally, that ad has been built on a particular sequence of events, and just cutting and pasting is not necessarily going to give you an effective ad. It's really a very different process. Uh, Last very reliable format or formula that I'll give you is have the entire letter... The entire pitch made by the testimonial. Now, it's important if you have something that's working to make sure that all of the elements stay in the testimonial story. Um, and in, in, um, in answer to your question earlier, here's one where you've got to write it for the testimonial because uh, they're not going to write a 16-page sales letter in their voice. Um, uh, but you can, if you've got a real champion, using their story and get it approved for them. Make sure you put all the elements in that are working in your other ad, but the whole thing now is delivered in his voice based on his story instead of first person from you. Yes? One person from start to finish. Yes. One, this is one long, eight-page testimonial right, where they are actually delivering the whole pitch. Um, in, in lead generation ads, it's a far, fairly reliable thing to do after you've been in a market for a while with a first-person ad from you is to start telling the same story. from One ad features one testimonial, one champion, and it's his story. And it goes right on to make the free report offer and call the phone number and all of the same things you would do if you were doing it first person. You'll find examples in PowerPoints if you have PowerPoints. Uh, let's see. Okay. Next issue is making people believe your copy. Um, the biggest thing I can tell you quickly about this is, is that the credibility things that used to make people believe copy are still necessary, but, but not enough, and in fact, not the driving force. Uh, today's uh, marketplace, today's society, is totally moving around based on believability, not credibility. And, and, and the difference uh, is, is most easily demonstrated uh, by, by, by talking about our president. Um, everybody knows he's not credible, but a large segment of the population buys what he sells them when he gets face-to-face and pitches them. He's a very believable pitch person. He's not a very credible pitch person, but he's a very believable pitch person. Uh, And so things like we've been in business since 1903, which 10 years ago had enormous power. Today are just a necessity to include if you've got it, but they're not going to buy you believability. All of your believability is going to come from the stuff on the left side of your page. Uh, how you say what you say your real people testimonials the single most important thing you can do uh, little picky details visual demonstration um, those kinds of proofs Um, I'm going to skip the next page because we talked about it some one of the believability issues you have to confront if you go two pages over is how to make your discounting believable um For the most part, most of us are going to be discounting. When we structure an offer and make a pitch, typically we're going to build value. Then we're going to discount from a value which we have claimed exists, whether it does or not. Uh, In order to do that, we've got to make the discounting believable. In a retail environment, that issue is real simple. Walmart sticks a sign up on the counter that says retail price $100, Walmart price $42. Got it. Uh, It's not that simple for us. Uh, And everybody understands Walmart's supposed to discount. They're a discounter. Uh, So nobody questions, why are they doing this? Uh, But in most of our businesses, the question occurs, why are you doing this? If this thing is really a $500 doohickey, why are you selling it to me for $198? Um, It can't be just because I'm a nice guy. So you need justification whenever you do a discount. And when you do a discount without justification, you undermine the believability of your entire pitch. Understand that anytime they don't believe one part of what you do, they now do not believe any part of what you do. Sometimes that will not prevent them from buying. Sometimes people want what you hold out in front of them so badly they'll buy even though they don't believe you. But it's not an ideal way to go through life selling. So we want them to believe us. And if we don't justify our price drops in a believable manner, then we will undermine their belief in everything that we have to say. Uh, So here here are the typical reasons why some story of savings you got that you can now pass on to your consumer. Our volume this year quadrupled, so we're buying stuff in better quantities so we can sell it to you for less. uh, 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 We found a diamond mine nobody else knew existed, and we're getting diamonds at dirt cheap prices because we got slave labor uh, uh, from Kathy Lee, and we go and dig them out of um, you know our our stuff's made by slaves in caves. I mean that's you know uh, 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 so we can sell it to you for less. But you got to have a reason. Uh, So we uh, blank so we can pass these savings on to you. That's the formula, and you got to fill in the blank for whatever reason, so we can pass these savings on to you. Uh, uh, Moving sale, you know, works good if you're moving. Fire sale works good if you've had a fire. Flood sale works good if you've had a flood. Or there's been a flood, like, close to you. Um, um, You can discount as a incentive or reward for fast response. People kind of understand that, they're used to that. Sometimes you tell the whole story, sometimes you don't have to. If you tell the whole story, it's, you know, the magazines do it from time to time. It's instead of having to mail you 16 renewal notices, if you'll subscribe now, and save us all the trouble of mailing you all those pieces, well, okay. Um, um, So you can also use that as a justification to give away a a free gift, by the way. Um, You can sell damaged goods. Um, Success Motivation Institute for years has has their last follow-up on the franchisee prospects they can't close has been calling up and selling a damaged franchise. I've always thought it was funny. Um, but, well, stop to think about it. What is a damaged franchise? It's somebody who had one that didn't do well. That's what it is. It's we're going to give you an unsuccessful doohickey. Um, but, you know, you don't, it doesn't need to really hold up against a great test of logic. It just has to sound reasonable when it's said and the way it's said. People don't pick at it a lot. Uh, so you can do damaged goods. You can do because they're a charter member, because they're in the first 500, because they're the first ones in the state of California. Because You can do it because they're first. You can do seasonal stuff. Oh, Thanksgiving discounts, that sort of thing. Uh, and you can do 10th anniversary, 5th anniversary, 25th anniversary. Uh, we just, are, because my new book was published this month, uh, because we opened one new store, we got a sale going on in all the stores. You'll see that in retail often. Uh, but there has to be a little story told about why you are discounting. Uh, if you want to have the impact of discounting, without price cutting, then you take a look at doing these things. Um, uh, you, you may uh, extend the installment payments. It has the same effect as price cutting. Uh, in fact, for the most part, on any kind of big-ticket item, including fitness equipment, these days in America, nobody thinks price, they think payment. Um, and um, uh, So you can extend the installments. Uh, a quick strategy trick: If you do installment payments, how many in here sell on installment pay- payments now? Okay, how many have any kind of a fallout problem, collection problem? Okay, uh, where they don't pay. Uh, the reason that you do installments is because it brings more people forward to buy. Uh, we found in television, by the way, that uh, you know we like tripled the call count when we went from price to installments in a TV show. The bad news is, you now have people on installment payments. Uh, and some people don't pay installments. Now, in some cases, you may want it that way in order to stabilize your cash flow, stabilize your business. You know, there are continuity businesses, fruit of the month, uh, skincare of the month, et cetera, where it's desired. They want them all on the installments. Uh, but if you'd like to use it as the, as the increase, as the response increaser, but not have the problem, then you want a little strategy device to take them back out of the installment process. And if you call most television shows that are offering installments to buy on installments, the if they're any good at all, the last thing they'll do after they've taken your order is try and switch you back out of them, usually with a free gift, sometimes with a discount. And the story usually is, you know, in order to save us the money, because we'll save money by not having to charge your card and do all the processing every month for the next six months. If you'll take care of this in one payment, we'll give you a free doofy-doofy. Okay. Uh, the argument makes sense, or we'll take 20% off, or you can have the second one for half price or whatever. Okay. And so the installment brought them forward to buy, but now a percentage of them can be sold back out of the installment. Uh, an analogy a similar technique, uh, how many of you been to the Peter Lowe events where I sell product from the platform? Okay, a good number of you. There's a, right now there's a $99 offer and a $278 offer, if you will recall. We have no interest in selling $99 offers. We want to sell $278 offers. And anytime my ratio of $99, offers to two, to, of $99 buys to $278 buys is like, if there's more than like three or four 99s out of 200 buyers, I'm aggravated. The $99 offer is made purely to get people back to the product tables who would not go there if they were thinking about spending $278. But then when they get there, they get switched. This is the same, in our case, we do it with a very simple script that begins with the fact that the only thing we have here today is the $278. So, uh, the $99s have to ship, and since most people want their stuff, you know, they bump up it's not a very sophisticated bump up this doesn't have to be either you can take You can, you can take twenty percent twenty five percent thirty percent of those who came forward because of the installments back out of the installment with a very simple offer but it has to it can't be up front it has to be hidden. Um, pay half now uh, a half you, you do this like as a last resort offer to your unconverted prospects fourth step fifth step forty six step somewhere along the line, if you have enough margin in what you do that you're, pro- that, that you're profitable with them giving you half the money. Uh, then this becomes, give us half now and give us the other half, um, uh, in your example, uh, 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 six months from now after you've had the fitness device in your home and you've lost at least 40 pounds. Uh, pay us only after you've lost 40 pounds. Uh, pay us uh, only after you've made your first million, send in the rest of the money. Um, uh, that sort of thing. Now, you and I both know we're only getting half. Okay? They're not going to lose the 40 pounds. They're not going to make the million. They're not going to have Uh So you've got to be happy with the half. Half a loaf, better than that. Uh, 90 days, same as cash. you know, done in retail all the time. First month, free in continuity programs. That's a way to discount without disparaging the value of what it is that you were doing. Yep, all the way to back. Mm, really good question. Um, In fact, I was going to give away prizes all day today for good questions. You get one. Um, Take her a pen. (laughs) I'm serious. Run her back a pen there. It's a $100 bill pen. Go ahead. You you can use the exercise. Run, man. Run, 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 run. Chop, chop. Let's go. Here we go. Um... Now the only problem is I forgot the damn question. Um, price. Oh, prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when do you do installments because of price points? Well, uh, basically the answer is it depends on the market. Okay? Um, so like for most of us in the room here to do installments, say, on a $100 item, probably not going to give us much of a bump. Okay? Uh, 100 bucks to us is, is not a big deal. Um, uh, but to a lot of people, $100 is a big deal. And so f- for them, it might give a bump. I can tell you, for example, in, in the beauty business, cosmetics and skincare on television, uh, you want the credit card charge to be below $50. Um, and, and, re- and it dramatically affects the refund rate. Now, I can tell you that is experiential fact. Now, the theory about why that is is almost unimportant, but the theory is this, that in many homes, not all, but many homes in America, uh, the husband is still scrutinizing the credit card bills. And he notices anything at 50 and above and shrugs off anything at 50 and below. And when he notices the 50 and above, it causes a question, which causes a refund, because it's easier to send the stuff back than it is to argue. Now that's theory, and you can like the theory, dislike the theory, argue with the theory, it almost doesn't matter because we know for a fact that there's a big jump in refunds when the credit card charge is over 50 bucks. So installments, uh, even if it was a $100 item and we were in a skincare business, we'd do installments in order to get the credit card number down. So a lot of it depends on the market. Um, uh, However, having said that, In some cases, even markets that could afford easily put $200 or $300 or $400 on a credit card all at one time and not blink, often you will get a bump in response when you offer the installments. The vast majority will still do one pays, but some will do the installments. If you're selling to a real price-sensitive market, a device we've used occasionally, we haven't used it a lot, probably should use it more than I do, um, guys like uh, Kimball in your Opportunity Seeker market, you should probably try this. Uh, we've done an order form where instead of installments, it specifically tells them that they can bust it up into different amounts on different cards. And there'll be four lines to fill in credit card information instead of one, and lines next to them to tell us, put $87 on this card, put twenty-two fifty on this card, put $46 on this card. Ah, you laugh. <laughs> um, uh, I would say on the money business and success course that goes back a ways, uh, but you dealt with them. We did that order form that way, Carla. Can you remember how many of them split their uh, uh, percentage of them that split it out into pay, into cards? About a third of them split the buy. This was a three hundred and ninety-five dollar buy. Split it out, telling us charge forty-six dollars to this Visa, charge eighty-three fifty to this Visa. See? Because they know. they know. They don't have 300 bucks available on any one card. But they got 12 cards <laughs> and they got 18 bucks left on this one, they got 12 dollars left on this one. What do you care? You just want the last dollar they got. <laughs> That's what you want. Um, yeah. It's an interesting point. Would the refund rate be lower? Would it be be lower because of your argument? Because now it sort of sneaks through under the radar because there's no one big charge on any one card. Uh, You could argue that it would maybe be higher because they're weaker buyers. Uh, In my recollection, correct me if I'm wrong, there was, in our case, the last time I used it, there was fundamentally no difference in terms of refund rates, quality of customer, any of that. Same old, same old. Um, uh, but you got to figure if a third of them did it, you would have got some of that third if you didn't offer it. But some of that third you would not have got if you didn't offer it. So it's uh, in certain markets, uh, you know, where, they, where they're sensitive to this, where price sensitivity is an issue, the ability to pay is an issue, uh, you may want to try that idea. Yep. Do you have- Does that surprise me? Um, in, it varies Joe do you have a higher refund rate with installments or prepays? It varies business to business, product to product dramatically. Um, I can tell you that uh, like in fitness equipment sold on television, much higher refund rate on installments than on prepays. It's to everybody's advantage to get to, to, to get them to pay a pay out in front. Um, in our newsletter business, our own newsletter business. Uh, our last resort sell is a continuity uh, at twelve dollars and thirty-eight cents a month. We charge a card every month. Is, it, is it some people in here on that plan? Anybody here on that plan? Okay. One. Well, we got you. We got to fix because if you could afford to be here, you know? um, uh, but um, uh, our fa- our fallout rate on that is like nil. They stay forever. And in terms of renewals, we are better off with the 1238s than we are with the prepays. Uh, So it varies product to product, business to business. Yeah.
0: For those of us that do multi-step sales letters, the problem i see is that after the second letter, they're waiting to see what else is coming, waiting to see if there's going to be a
1: price drop. You're nuts. I mean, you're just overly analytical, Victor. They are not doing that. Uh, well, they're not doing it. They're not doing it. Um, they are not doing it. Uh, uh, the only customers that would think that way would be renewal guys on magazines. Uh, people, Consumers have gotten wise to that, and they will play that game. They know if they don't renew their Reader's Digest or their TV Guide that they're going to get a better offer two weeks later in the mail, and so they'll wait. But customers buying high-priced information products from us the first time, they don't even know if they're going to get another piece. They don't know the game yet. They haven't been educated to the game, not happening, not happening. Yes, sir. Um, Whenever
0: you have the majority of people that are purchasing
1: this product by paying in full, what difficulties do you have in renewing at the end of, say, one year? Oh, a, a, a renewal is, well difficulty is to have, have a renewal. Typically, renewals are as hard as and sometimes more difficult than the original sale. Uh, because it, for a variety of reasons, e- even assuming you deliver spectacular value, uh, there's a boredom issue. Same stuff from same person over and over again. I'm off in search of the next new guru. You know, uh, there's a in the initial sale. I mean, the the product is never as good as the pitch. I mean, I mean it, it can't be because you can you can always do a better pitch than you can do a product, right? I mean. Most of us in the room are married, you know, we, knew, we, we know how this works. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: so, um, the few that aren't laughing, they're with their spouses. They're going, ah, that's funny. <laughs> not funny. Um, so, but now they've had the product for a year. So, it's hard to make a pitch, you know, it's hard to make the over-the-top pitch because they already know what they got, Right. Uh, third, if you sold them with a bonus-laden offer, which you probably did because that's how you sell subscriptions, you now got to invent a whole new pile of bonuses every time you do the renew. So the renewal job is difficult. and Well, again, many times the continuity is better than the lump. The auto-renewal business, many companies do it that way, where, you know, you're renewed... Uh, un, un, unless you tell us not to a month before the renewal date. And they'll rather take the fallout of the refund than deal with having to make the renewal sale. Uh, Players Club does it that way. If anybody, if anybody belongs, you know, it's a travel club for those of us who go gamble. It's like, I don't know, 200 bucks a year or something. Uh, they renew me every year. And then they send you the renewal package, you know, with the new card and the new wallet and the new directory. And the, and the truth of the matter is, if I had to make a renewal decision, I probably would have dropped it three years ago. I'm serious because I'm not using it enough to get the value out of it. But because I haven't made a renewal decision, they've gotten 600 bucks out of me they probably wouldn't have got otherwise because the hassle now of undoing what they just did to me is more, and I say to myself, well, crap, I'll use it a couple times this year. You know, like one of the bonuses you get every time you renew is a free two-night, three-day deal in Vegas or Atlantic City, but you got to go on weekdays and you got to book it. 18 days in advance, and you got to call a special number on a day that it rains, and all of that. <laughs> I, I haven't used mine in three years. I haven't used them, you know. But, so if I was renewing, I'd say to myself, "Well, I didn't use that. I didn't use this. I didn't." Use it, because the thing arrives and they've already done it, and eh, here I am. So, so yeah, yeah, and and some guys do lifetime deals. I've, you know, I mean, there are people in our business. do lifetime subscriptions and their theory, for huge money if it's like a $200 a year deal they'll do a lifetime for $5,000 and their theory is get the money now while the person's in heat, get all the money you can and then don't worry about it anymore okay Uh, one person's theory about all that is not only that but all that money's pure profit and you can go blow it because uh, uh, this largely explains why he never has any money uh, is exactly that kind of thinking, uh, but but conceptually, he's probably right, is that the cream percentage of your customer base who will give you a large sum now, it's better to take the large sum now than it is to have to continually resell them and renew them over time. It, it's probably a, a valid argument. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's done the other way. When you do make your half a million in the next six months, send me the rest of the money. Okay, yeah. I'll be eagerly waiting for your success story <laughs> and your check. Okay, my, my question is, does that affect that to them? That they think that they yes. guilt does it affect the back end? Yeah, it's, just it's not so much the guilt factor as they're poor quality customers. Okay? But you've got these leads that you've now done everything else you can do with. If you're better off getting this out of them than nothing, then you use that strategy. But, yeah, they're poor quality customers. Uh, guarantees. Yes. Oh, yeah, junk science is part of proof. Yeah, you just want, that's like, that's like um, uh, sharks don't get cancer. You know that pitch for the book? For the book and the, vital, the reason you take shark cartilage is because sharks don't get cancer. So, therefore, you make the mental leap that by eating shark cartilage, you don't get cancer either. But junk science. One has nothing to do with the other. I mean, first of all, the fact that sharks don't get cancer no matter what they did. Let's say they ate lettuce all day long. doesn't mean you're not going to get cancer if you eat lettuce all day long. And, and then the further leap, because they don't get cancer, if you eat them, you don't get cancer. I'm, I'm, I mean, this, this is a pretty damn big leap, right? But, but you can say it in a way that sounds marvelously logical and scientific. That's junk science. You find it more in the nutrition field than you do anywhere else, but you will find it in other places. Okay. Guarantees. Uh, when you go to write guarantees, uh, multiple versus single, multiple's better. Uh, two's better than one, three's better than two, uh, probably four's better than three. Not a lot of testing there. Uh, You've got three things you can guarantee. Uh, Again, getting you to a shortcut list. There's other things, but your short list is what I'm trying to get. There's three things you guarantee. One is you can guarantee satisfaction. You get it. You're happy. You're not happy. You're not happy. You get your money. Um, and, And there's now 800 ways to say that, but basically you're guaranteeing satisfaction. So it doesn't matter why they're unhappy. Uh, they're, they're, they changed, they don't like it, the box is green, and they wanted a blue box, um, et cetera, et cetera. You can guarantee results. Some specific thing is gonna happen or you can get your money back. You've got $500,000 in six months, you're gonna lose 40 pounds. Uh, um, um, if your friends don't accuse you of having had a facelift, um, uh, I'll show you some outrageous ones later uh, that are results guarantees. Uh, you can guarantee the, the sort of middle ground is you can guarantee perceptions. So it's really not a specific outcome, but it's more of how they feel as a result of having used the thing or been in the thing. Um, you know, it, 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 Part of the... Um, I don't know if they still use it, but part of the old Dale Carnegie guarantee was, you know, if you, don't, if, if, if you don't feel like a more confident, persuasive individual at the end of the... Well, how do you measure that? See, it's not a result. It's not like as a result of being a more confident, persuasive individual, you will get a promotion at work in 90 days or you get your money back. That's a results guarantee. But if you feel like a confident, more persuasive individual, that's perceptions. Okay, so it's sort of a middle ground, or you can guarantee any combination of, thereof. How you say it is is at least as important as what you say, if not more so. A lot of people are very lazy about their guarantees. They just basically say what the guarantee is and that's it, Uh, uh, dumb. Uh, In most cases, you are going to significantly affect response if you get uh, imaginative, clever, uh, about the way that you say the guarantee. Wording is extremely important. Again, one of the best examples I know is the, is the old Nancy Kwan guarantee of, if your friends don't actually accuse you of having had a facelift, return the empty bottle of this glop and we'll refund all your money. Now, all that is is a satisfaction guarantee. Okay, all right. But, so it's the same as saying, try it for 30 days, if you don't like it, send the empty bottle back and it'll refund your money, but it sounds a whole lot better the way I said it, okay? um, You can give guarantees names. Um, this is my uh, 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 um, uh, empty bottle guarantee. Um, this, is my, uh, this is my 90-day challenge guarantee. You want guarantees to sound important and unique. And valuable. you want to sound as as confident as you can be, uh, the question should be the more over the top I go with my guarantees, does my refund rate go up? Um, the answer to the unasked question is no or hardly at all, um, unless you're selling real crap. Um, and, and my advice in those circumstances is always go find something else to sell. Uh, There's lots of stuff out there to sell. Uh, If if you can't give a really great guarantee, find something else to sell. And then as long as you're going to give a great guarantee, you might as well give an extraordinarily great guarantee because the impact on your refund rate is negligible. Uh, These perception guarantees are very good guarantees because, because they really are just satisfaction guarantees said better. So as long as you generally make the customer happy, they're not going to hang you up on the perception guarantee. How many people do you think go to the 16-week Dale Carnegie course and at the end don't feel more confident and persuasive? Well, hardly anybody. I mean, they had a good time. Now they may not be any more persuasive. They may in fact not be any more confident. But they were there for 16 weeks, for God's sakes. They were, you know, they, they like the instructor, he likes them, they hang out with everybody else, they got the plaque, they got the pen. They, you know. How many of them are gonna walk up and say, I'm not more confident? Say so it's like, you know, it's my friends in the anxiety business who run the anxiety show, by the way, say they don't get a lot of calls for refunds either, and when they do, it's pretty easy to intimidate the people out of it. Uh,
0: yeah. The number of your guarantee, is there a point of diminishing return where you actually could
1: be losing believability or effectiveness? I suppose. Can you, can, you lose, can you lose believability by overemphasizing the guarantee? I suppose. I don't know what that point is. Uh, doubt that I've ever hit it in copy. Um, uh, but I suppose, yeah, it's possible. Um, but certainly most people err in the opposite direction. Um, and, you know, there's restating it within the context of the letter and there's restating it in different places. Letter, order form, separate guarantee certificate, uh, testimonial who says I would never have tried this if it hadn't have been for the quadruple, whiz-bang, hoopy-hoopy guarantee, and that's what pushed me. There's lots of ways you can do it. Um, The other type of guarantee is a bonus guarantee, you know, which is they get their money back plus. They get an extra 10 bucks for their trouble. They get to keep the 12 bonuses for their trouble. They get double their money back. They get triple their money back. They get, you know, how far do you want to go with this? Um, Bonus guarantees generally, bump response. They work better than non-bonus guarantees. Um, uh, But you do have to exercise some caution here, understanding of your market that somebody is not going to burn you, particularly if you do cash bonus guarantees, where you're doing double bonus guarantees or triple bonus guarantees. You better know your market, because some people will scorch you just to get the money. And that's okay, as long as the bump more than covers the ones who scorch you. Okay. Headlines, subheads, and photo captions. Here's your short list. Uh, Well, somebody just chuckled. Hey, it is a short list. Um, uh, There's like a hundred ways to write a headline, Um, but you you don't need them. (laughs) You can make a living off of like any four or five of these you like. Uh, 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 Somebody on this side was first. Yeah. Guaranteed. Okay. Here's the conditional unconditional question. Jeez, I hate this question. Um, um and Ron's eyes just glazed over. I promise you, three minutes, that's it. Okay. He just headed for the John. Uh, the question is uh, what about guarantees that or they're conditional guarantees? You get your money back only if you can prove you did the following. Okay? You got to prove you jumped through six hoops and talked to 12 people, and uh, you got to prove you filled out the, 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 the diet journal every day by 4 o'clock in the afternoon and have it notarized. Okay. Um, first of all, these are a horrid, if you do them by themselves, they are a horrid legal mistake. I will spend no more time on it than that, but you paid money to be here, trust me. Um, Secondly, no, they do not bump response when done by themselves, they diminish response when done by themselves. Um, People have had those experiences already. You know, they. one of the reasons you have to overemphasize a guarantee is because most people don't honor their guarantees. And so, or if they do, they do it only at gunpoint, uh, even at a retail level. I mean, just think what you have to go through to return something at a department store. Uh, most of the time, you know, it's it's a horror show. So people are understandably skeptical about any kind of refund policy to start with. And so as soon as you start to play the you know the insurance industry game where the policy pays off only if you get hit by lightning on the third Thursday of every month between 12 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon as long as it's not raining and there's a Seinfeld rerun on. Uh, you know, people get that pretty quick. A- and so they back off.
0: Right?
1: Now, the way to use them, if you wish to use them, is within the context of a double or a triple or a quadruple guarantee. Uh, my religious belief about all this, which I impose on clients whenever I can, is that if you do a multiple guarantee, at least the first part of the guarantee should be unconditional. It should be a wide open, some variation of a satisfaction slash perception guarantee. The bottom line being that within a reasonable length of time, for any reason, no reason, whatever, you should be able to get your money back and you should be able to do it without a lot of crap. No forms to fill out, no story to tell, no control number, no, just get your money. Now, if on top of that, in order to make a point and to further emphasize your guarantee, you want to stack a conditional, then that can be effective. And I'll show you some examples when we get to exhibits this afternoon, okay? Yes. No, it's a, perception. it's a perception guarantee. You must be careful of it as a claim. We'll talk about legal issues just a little bit this afternoon. Yes? Dan, have
0: you ever seen a well written guarantee for somebody that sells, like, gold coins,
1: real estate? Yeah, the guys that do that best, and if you're not on their mailing list, the question is a real good guarantee for people in the investment business and, not, and shall we say, non-traditional investments. Uh, coins, art, oil wells, um, uh, pig futures, llama ranching partnerships, those sorts of things. (laughs) Not to imply that that's what you're involved in. Um, You know, that's the real estate developer is synonymous with what? Um, uh, Yeah, the guys that do that best are the Blanchard guys in New Orleans. Do you know Blanchard? Uh, Get on the mailing list. Um, easy right now they're advertising on Limbaugh every day um, but you can call New Orleans and get an information number it's Blanchard and Company and um, they're amongst the biggest guys in in, in precious metals uh, both bulk and collectible stuff coins from weird countries we never heard of uh, those sorts of things um, major player good direct response marketer Jim himself, very sharp, been at this game a long time, uses some of the best writers in the country. They do, they do use guarantees, and they use good ones. Okay. Um, here we go, short list of headlines. Uh, Got to move unless everybody wants to skip lunch. Um, here's the things you can do, uh, and again, I would encourage you to create your formula list of headlines. That'll buy you the, That'll buy you the best shortcut you can buy. But here's a type of headlines. And again, this afternoon we go through the exhibits, you'll see them all. Uh, flagging headline means that it starts by calling attention to the prospect group. Um, frustrated golfers, colon. Um, um, men embarrassed about losing their hair, colon. Um, uh, women married to men who are embarrassed about losing their hair, colon. Okay, that's a flag it's designed to and it's most useful when you're in media where your prospects are there but also your non prospects are there and so it's to call your prospects attention to the ad okay uh, curiosity mystery I like it the least it's used a lot sometimes it works uh, the old traditional the best the traditional ad example was um, you know the only is only the hairdresser knows for sure um, there 's an opportunity ad that runs off and on which got a weird picture in it of this person with like a beehive head over a mask over their head and they 're and they're in this thing with a jar, and the headline is, "What is this person doing that 's making them three hundred eighty dollars an hour from home um, it 's a pure curiosity headline uh, big promise: one of the most reliable formulas: uh, you will blank. How to blank. Uh, and the bigger the promise, the better. Multiple promises. Better than single promises. Multiple always better than single. Uh, so you can, make, you can make money at home without work is good, but you can make money at home without work and without a brain, that's better. Uh, 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 Guaranteed. Um. Um, you can lead, you know, your headline can lead with the guarantee. Um, in fact, it can lead with the word guaranteed, colon, you can make money at home without work, without a brain. Okay? That's a way to do the headline with the guarantee right up front. Brand identity. It's only good when you got it. Uh, and you got to be careful not to fool yourself about this. Uh, But some people in some businesses, in some industries, have brand identity. Um, Let's say we're going to run an ad in Success Magazine. If I'm going to run an ad, for me, I am not going to lead with my name in the headline. I am a famous guy nobody's ever heard of. If I'm Zig Ziglar, though, I'm going to lead with my name in the headline. Because the vast majority of the people who read Success Magazine, he's got brand identity. So an effective headline for him is, Zig Ziglar announces. An effective headline for me, Dan Kennedy announces, no good. So if you got brand identity and you're sure you got it, then you can exploit it. Uh, But if you don't, you want to stay away from it. Fear, pain, we talked about those things early in the day in the context of lead generation. Um, you, You can certainly scare people. I'll show you some examples this afternoon. People do viscerally respond to it, uh, uh, but if you start down that path, you better be prepared to go all the way down the path and really scare them to death. Um, story headline is the, uh, the Nielsen's aren't here, it's the, it's the, the story headline is like the the Iowa housewife uh, who went from a minimum wage job to, uh, to a castle on the coast of Spain in 36 miles. That's a story headline. Um, uh, the, uh, the queen of recipes who discovered, okay, it's a story headline. It's written like a newspaper story headline, journalistically uh, reporting on some event. Uh, if you want to build formulas, you take newspaper headlines. You take magazine article headlines uh, and turn them into fill-in-the-blank formulas. If you took journalism in high school and you still have your textbook, uh, there's about 50 of them in the basic journalism textbook. If you got a kid in high school, have them get the journalism textbook. you got the headlines. Um, news bulletin is kind of the same thing, but it's it, it clearly has urgency to it. Um, and so it tends to have words like, now or, or, or this month, or or will or even start with things like News Flash. Um, on TV now, they do. I'm dying to use this in television somehow in direct response. Um, most of the news programs now are going to Breaking Story, um, has, their, has their attention getter. Um, th- that's like News Bulletin stuff. Uh, How to. Uh, still hard to beat it. Uh, When in doubt, if you can't pick one of these, go with that. Uh, And and often, you can take a headline and bump it by just putting how-to in front of it. Good trick to remember. You can take a headline that works and make a new headline out of it just by sticking how-to in front of it. Uh, Good trick to remember. It allows you to do something fast. The the variation of that is the how-I. Hume's control here is... How I went from an unemployed 46 year old with almost zero money, a whopping mortgage, and a pile of unpaid bills to a multimillionaire, and how you can do it too. I remember, by the way, sitting in a meeting room with people from Hume telling me we would never run anything as hypey as this stuff. And now they're doing it. Uh, apparently, the response to the non hypey stuff began to disintegrate. That would be my conclusion. Um, uh, because they're sure doing it now. Uh, so the how, the how I is just how to done first person. And pretty much you can take any how to headline that works and rewrite it as a how I headline as long as you have an I to tell the story. Or you can take any how I headline that works and rewrite it as a how to story if you lose the I guy that was telling the story. Sometimes testimonials disappear, as you may know. Uh, a shocking statement. Shocking um, um, uh, statement. Uh, 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 at uh, midnight on December 31st uh, next year, uh, all the power goes out in your house, all the computers crash, you'll have no water, no food, and uh, thundering hordes of people with axes and guns will be at your door. Um, uh, Guys, that's that's a shocking statement, okay? Um, You know, it's a formula. Again, watch this kind of stuff you steal from news. This is also, you'll find these, you can steal them from the tabloids. So, inquirer, Globe, those publications which you should all be subscribing to and reading. Remember, you can either subscribe to them, so only your mailman knows you're an idiot. You can send a staff person out to buy them for you if you got a staff person who'll suffer. Or you can go to a different 7-Eleven every week and try and... But but you've got to get them. You've got to study them. Uh, Inquirers, $15.97 for 24 weeks, you can't beat that. And you'll find these shocking statement headlines, which you can then turn into a fill-in-the-blank formula. Uh, uh, questions. Almost every statement headline that works can easily be converted into a question. It's also an easy split test, by the way. If you've got a statement that works, it's easy to f- turn it into a question, right? We'll just find one somewhere. Um, uh, this is your chance to build the body you've always wanted and take home a share of over $625,000 in cash and prizes. Uh, so you can go, classic formula would be who else wants to. Who, who else wants a chance to build the body? Question mark. Okay? Would you like to build the body you've always wanted and take home a share of over $620,000 in cash and prizes? Question mark. How much would you like to build the body you've always... Okay? Every statement can be turned into a question. Formulaic. Pretty much every question can be converted back. So there's two ways to flip-flop the same headline. Uh, Event-driven headlines. Uh, Seasonal stuff, you know. Christmas is 18 days away, so. Uh, uh, The New Year is only 42. Millennium is only uh, days and minutes, so. Event-driven headlines, Uh, Those are your 15 best things that you can rely on and pretty much make a living off of. Uh, we can probably do one more before we break. Uh, yeah. I'm just curious, it's
0: going back
1: to the believability part? Yes. Oh, ma- ma- magic and minutia means there's magic in the details. The way you create believability is in tiny little details. Um, uh, my office. Uh, is is at the corner of this street and this street, across from the little farmhouse with the green picket fence, and uh, and if you come by any day, right at noon, you'll see Mary out picking up the mail. Um, you know, I, I live. You know, I get up every morning and I drink coffee out of a green mug, and I, okay, little details make it believable. Okay?
0: um,
1: uh, as opposed to, um. I was out and back putting with the lights out. Um, see, nobody believed that. But if he had added enough detail, say, so, so you, you got, say, so you're, okay, all right. Slow group, okay. Um, let me just jump to the, because uh, we're, we're on the believability issue, let me just jump down to the bottom three because this is a, this is a real important little overlooked issue. And then we'll do our lunch break. There's pretty much three reasons that they don't buy from you. And they don't respond to the message you put in front of them. One is they don't believe you. Uh, Lots of ways. I mean, we know kind of how to fix that. We've talked about some of it. Um, They believe believe you're okay, but they don't believe your basic proposition. Um, But the most important one in most cases is the neglected one when we create messages and we write copy. And, and if you only knew how many people bought the first two and still didn't buy, you'd be impressed. The vast majority of the people, they, they'll buy into, they'll believe you, so they'll believe you're real. So TJ, they believe you guys, Ron, they believe you, and they believe you were an ex-gas station attendant, and they believe you're rich, and they believe all that. Uh, and then they even believe the proposition in a general sense. They believe, yes, yes, people do take small amounts of money, buy real estate, and get rich. Uh, yes, people do exercise on that Duma and lose weight. Yep, those before and after pictures are real. They, they, they buy those two things, but then they still don't act because they don't believe in themselves. And, the, and that's the single most important barrier to get people over when you are selling them anything that is going to improve their life in any way, shape, or form. Uh, They believe you. They believe the proposition in general, meaning they believe others can do it and do do it. They don't believe it themselves. Now, that may be they don't believe they will do it because they've started six million things before in their lives, never finished anything. Their family tells them they can't finish anything. Everybody they know tells them they can't finish anything. So why would they think they're going to finish this? Uh, Or they think they're dumb or they think they can't write or they think they can't sell or they think uh, they, they can't resist whipped cream and donuts. So there's no point in me starting this diet because no matter how much I want to lose weight, no matter how much I want to be on a diet, the first time I drive past uh, Dunkin' Donuts, it's all over. Um, that's what stops them from buying. And so when we create copy and tell a story, I see you. Um, how could we miss you in that shirt? Uh, you've been to the Dave Daldano, uh, uh, yeah. Um, the uh, well, you're getting them, guy. I, you know, uh, if nothing else, I'll entertain you, huh? Um, these obscure references that only a few of us would know. Yeah, um, uh, that's the barrier to get over: is to is is to get them to believe that they can do it, that they will do it. And it's the biggest barrier in the selling process, yeah. No. Um, when you're, the last thing you want to do is bribe him. Um, you're selling to somebody who's making the decision for a corporation so it doesn't affect his personal pocketbook. Uh, You've got to go back to the previous list. Um, you can scare him, uh, and there's lots of ways to scare him. Uh, uh, what happens uh, if your CEO, if your boss finds out about this from one of the CEOs of our clients and wants to know, since you're getting paid to do this, how come you didn't find this? Uh, Some variation thereof. You gotta scare them. Uh, You can benefit them uh, because it can't directly affect their pocketbook, but everybody's hoping for a raise, everybody's hoping for for a promotion. So you you have the yin-yang of, uh, you might get your head cut off if you don't do this, Versus, if you do this, you can be a hero. Uh, in the, I'll tell you where to find a um, a model. In the uh, magnetic marketing uh, system, in the notebook, in the business to business section, you'll find a series of letters for an industrial tarp company. Uh, all built around the be a hero uh, idea. Uh, interesting model for you. Okay. Uh, anybody else? Uh, okay, we're going to break for lunch. We are, uh, two things before you all run, three things before you all run. Uh, number one, Platinum members who are here, um, if you will uh, gather, uh, since I don't want to announce it to the world, if you will uh, gather with Carla out by the table uh, and wait a few minutes, uh, she will give you our suite number, and you are welcome to join us for lunch uh, up in the suite. That's platinum members only, and your guests, people who are with you, if you wish to bring them. Uh, if you don't wish to bring them, that's perfectly okay. too. it's more food for the rest of us. Um, secondly, we really are time-pressed, and so we are definitely starting at, like, 129. Uh, so uh, be here. Uh, if, you haven't got your, if you haven't consumed all your food, schlep it with you. If you haven't been served, do without, smell somebody else's breath and let's move on. Uh, third, last, remember if you do decide, if you want tapes of this thing, you got to turn the form in while you are here, the sooner the better. They will not be accepted after the event. Uh, see you back here at uh, 129. Are we on? Good. <laughs> we have a request here in the front from somebody that's been to too many Tony events that everybody stand up, turn around, and rub each other's shoulders. Do you think that's a... Uh, that's all right. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Um, see, no, no takers. What can I tell you? You're in the wrong row anyway. Um, okay. Cosmetics. Yes?
0: Can we pick up on the last point
1: before lunch? No. <laughs> no. Uh, maybe later, okay, when we get to a Q&A time. I got your note, if you're the one who gave me a note and somebody else asked me. Okay? No, I didn't Oh, okay. Well, I got a note from somebody else. So you're, you are not alone. I will not forget.
0: It's the most
1: important point, I think. It's not, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm. Uh, here is your short list um, of stuff that you can do, there's a zillion other things you can do, but here are the ones that I think you ought to do most often um, to um, deal with your ads and your mail pieces. And, and let me make the point that um, I think that this is almost as important as the copy, um, There are any number of times when differences in appearance have made measurable differences in response. Um, And I think a lot of copywriters uh, don't place enough emphasis on this or make an even bigger mistake of delegating it. Uh, You do not want uh, a quote-quote graphic artist making these decisions. Uh, unless they are very direct response savvy because the idea is not just to underline words the issue of course is which words to underline the idea is not just to put some scribbles in the margin the issue is where to put the scribbles and uh, the art folks will also try and pretty it up Uh, my favorite story about that uh, I did some work um, Two years ago now, with weight watchers, and um, uh, they have they 've been through every Madison Avenue agency there is at least twice, and um, they spent a lot of money. God bless them and uh, so we 're doing this direct mail campaign that 's a test against the agency control, and um, as I described to them what I want to do, there is this look of horror, you know in uh, in um, everybody's faces including the people from Baton, barton durston and incompetent whatever agency was in there at the time uh, because i want to take the mail piece and uh, they've got if you've seen weight watchers pieces it doesn't matter what agency's in there they all tend to you know full color usually self mailers sometimes in an envelope but a lot of full color brochure kind of stuff and so i'm going to do a testimonial driven piece as we talked about before, where the whole letter is from one testimonial. It's Barbara you know, Rabinowitz's story, whatever her name was, I don't remember now. And uh, we're gonna put it in a um, personal size envelope on personal size stationery, not eight and a half by 11 paper. And uh, uh, Barbara's before and after pictures, of course, the whole letter from Barbara, uh, real typewriter, courier typewriter type, but handwritten margin notes all over the place in Barbara's handwriting, of course. And the outside of the envelope, no Weight Watchers identity whatsoever, you're just getting a piece of mail from Barbara you know, Rabinowitz at whatever her address was in Long Island. Uh, so I do my best to explain this to everybody, and some get it, and the ones that do have this look of horror on their face. Um, and then um, when they get done with this, what comes back from the art people, they have taken all the margin notes. They have retypeset them in script type, in little blocks of type with little squares around them, very neatly and orderly down the sides of the margin, evenly spaced so that there's two on each side on each page. You, you, you know, the exact number of millimeters between each one. I mean, the thing is just. Precision perfect. And I I must have spent three hours trying to get everybody to understand that's, no. (laughs) Barbara's handwriting, crooked, running over top of the type. And uh, they finally tested this piece. uh, And much to their dismay, it worked. And uh, then they decided not to use it. Um, they They just couldn't stand it. Uh, so you don't want the regular graphics people making these decisions. You need to, you or you, if you're going to write the copy, you need to make the cosmetic decisions about how the copy gets presented. Uh, and and any or all of these things can help you. Uh, bold facing, underlining, and italicizing are all things that you do obviously within the um, the context of the text. Um, to make things stand out, to help move the reader along, to call attention to key points, uh, type styles. Somebody asked that question earlier. Um, and it's, you know, there's a handful of topics that, like if you belong to the Direct Marketing Association or you hang out with, somebody used the word earlier, gurus, if you hang out with direct response gurus, there's a handful of topics everybody wants to talk about. One of them is response percentages, which is the dumbest conversation you can ever have in direct response. And the next one is courier type versus all other type. And there is is at least one of us who is dogmatic about this, that uh, it should always be courier type, it should only be courier type, nothing should be used but courier type, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Results do not indicate that to be the case at all. Uh, What is more important than the particular type style is that the bulk of the letter looks letter-ish. The the requirement to be pure courier uh, uh, probably evaporated I don't know how many years ago uh, with the disappearance of typewriters. Uh, You may have noticed nobody's got one of them anymore. Um, It's hard to find them. I've got one, but, it, but it's, hard, it's hard to find typewriters. Um, and so the, the manual typewriter look, which is what Courier is, um, that once was a mandate is no longer a mandate. What you don't want is sometimes easier to understand than what you do want. What you don't want is anything that suggests that it's addy, uh, that it looks like a brochure or it looks like an ad. Uh, You don't want anything too neat and perfect in most cases. Uh, Some people will do courier type and then they'll square all the paragraphs. And uh, uh, You want your right sides ragged and in most cases you want indent uh, because people who do letters don't justify the right hand side of the copy so that it's perfect. Um, You don't want like block type Helvetica uh, except in, in sparing uses. Uh, Also, uh, I believe just like you use boldfacing and italicizing and underlining, you want to use different type styles as well as different type sizes during a long piece to break it up, to encourage the reader, to call attention to key points and so forth. So doing the entire thing in Courier, I believe, is antiquated advice um, it w- it, it, it's better than a lot of things that you can do, but there are a lot of other things that you can do to make a more readable, visually readable piece. Yeah, Joe. Can you write, like, how much of your time percentage-wise do you think is spent on um, cosmetic aspects of promoting this place where you work? Jeez, is that a good question? It's so, it's so rare, no, 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 we got these $100 bill pens, see? <laughs> Would you? Run that back down about five rows and swing that over there to that guy back there. The guy with the ponytail who looks like a drug dealer. There you go. There you go. Um, thank you. Um, so the question is, how much of the time when I write copy is devoted to the cosmetics? And um, the answer to your question uh, is probably over a third. It's a little difficult for me to estimate because I do some of it as I go, um, which I didn't used to do. Uh, But as I get more and more unconscious about what I'm doing, I'm making some of those decisions as I'm going and rarely going back and changing them. So the decision to make one paragraph jump out in 14 point, I may have made that as I wrote the copy. Um, but but i 'd say overall, about a third of the time is spent dealing with the cosmetic issues of, of how this thing is going to look, and sometimes with clients, it may be even more than that because typically they will go screw it up after the copy 's delivered, and then it comes back, and then I have to undo what they did, um, yeah. Well, that, yeah, but they're tied up in the wrong kind of cosmetics. That's, I mean, that's why I don't deal with big corporations. That's like the Weight Watchers problem, is you're right. First of all, you've got a committee. And second of all, their attention on cosmetic issues is, is image-oriented, uh, is making it pretty and professional and... You know, they will sit and agonize over the, the, the size, whether the logo should be in the lower left-hand corner or the lower right, all the crap that doesn't mean anything. This stuff on this list is important um, because, uh, it, because it furthers readership. And, and a great copy is no good if they don't read it. And so these are all little things you do to manipulate the recipient into continuing through the piece uh, and reading what you've put in front of them. And so for that reason, it's important, it's too important to be left to the artistes. Um, and it is really an inseparable part of the process. Um, and that's why, for me now today, I've gotten to the point where, as I say, I do a lot of it as I go along because I can't even separate it in my thinking. How it looks is, to me, as important as what it says. Uh, it 's a second good question, but you don 't get a second prize um, no it 's a very good point is you can take these things um, question how often can you take the same copy and tweak it with cosmetic changes a lot you can take you can also obviously tweak with format changes. You take the same copy that was in a letter and put it in a self mailer or but just cosmetic changes uh, well the 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 quickest cheap and dirty trick which you are very well aware of because we do it all the time is when you want to do your second notice or your third notice or your final notice is taking the first piece that you used or the second piece that you used and now just if it wasn't before junking it all up with handwritten margin notes and asterisks and circles and all of that in blue ink and you can take a successful piece and that doing that is every bit as good as creating a whole new piece from scratch. But it's a whole heck of a lot faster. Um, like you can do it 10 minutes and have a 16 page sales letter ready to go to the printer. Uh, you just take what worked and now go through and figure out what you need to call attention to and where you can jot notes and so forth. So the whole junking up process is uh, very useful. Uh, sometimes just going back and, and, and changing the size of the par, the type sizes and size of paragraphs. Taking a paragraph out and putting it in a box of asterisks in a different type style, you really wind up with a different letter when you're done, even though you have not changed a word of the copy. Yep. I have an important question. <laughs> Is paper stock coordinated with the envelope important? Uh, In very rarely, Uh, it would only be in markets that are hypersensitive to image where we must now sort of marry the strategies that we know work with a little bit of image sensitivity. Um, Fortune 500 maybe, Um, buyers of very high priced art, Uh, but for the most part paper stock in general is irrelevant textured, untextured, thicker and and, and envelope matching and that kind of stuff is irrelevant is there more or was that your question? you thought that for for that question? no and if you're not careful somebody comes and takes your pen All, all the way in the back No. Uh, next question. <laughs> um, is, there, is there a rule of thumb about which you use and which you don't use, and when you do too much? Um, th- no, there is a, there's certainly no rule of thumb that I know of. Uh, unfortunately, it almost falls into the area of instinctive, um, although you can model. You know, you can look at effective pieces and kind of do the same amount that they've done uh, while you're getting good at it. Uh, I guess my other general comment would be most people will err on the underuse side rather than the overuse side. Um, So probably about the time you think you've overdone it, you're close to right. Um, uh, uh, Most people will be too neat. They'll be afraid of it. Um, But um, if people need help, Um, being led through uh, a a written presentation and so uh, like I don't know that I would do every single thing on this list in one piece at one time but I sure as heck would use it all during a sequence Um, I don't know what else to say yep Well, yeah, it's a good point. The, word, the key word you use there is involvement, getting the reader involved. There's also a, um, you know, so much of what we do um, has good copywriters is, for want of a better term, Halbert's salesmanship in print, which he got from, I don't know where he got it from, but it's irrelevant. We're, we're selling in print, and we're doing real down-and-dirty street-level selling because that's what works best. Um, and uh, and so, how many of you have ever gone and sold anything at a swap meet? All right, how many have been to a swap meet? All right. Uh, if you sell stuff at a swap meet, here's the worst thing you can ever do: make it all neat. That that place they don't buy from uh, when it's a mess and they're in there pawing and looking and hunting and. That booth does the best. This is kind of like that. Uh, that's why I use the term even, junk it up. I mean, it, it, it makes the thing look more interesting because it's a mess. And um, uh, that seems to work best even in, quote, quote, sophisticated markets. Um, let's see, boxes, borders, breakers, screens, colors. Uh, again, all of that breaks it up, makes it look more interesting. Um, Uh, screens I would use sparingly but you can use them when you're into color Uh, even gray there's a couple pieces in our exhibit pile in our lab pile tomorrow I'll show you that have uh, gray screens behind blocks of type Um, in many cases that makes it harder to read but even that is not sometimes a bad idea Um, it's kind of like if you want the one thing on the page to be guaranteed that they'll read it's the asterisk foot Note in fine print at the bottom of the page in two point invisible. Um, they'll, they'll go read that because they think you're up to something, uh, which is okay, then that's a great place to make a sales point. So the same thing's true about a box with a screen behind it that makes it hard to read. Hard, hard, hard. Harvey Brody told me that his theory was, the harder he made the piece to read once he had their attention, the better he was, somewhat like a speaker to have emphasis from the front of the room, suddenly delivering a few lines in a whisper. Um, uh, So there's an argument for that as well. Uh, The yellow highlighter trick, um, can't overuse it with the same customer group in terms of overuse, but uh, in a piece, Uh, you can do about as much of it as you want and that's simply where your printer lays blotches of yellow ink over words, phrases, blocks of type to make it look like you took a yellow highlighter pen and marked it up by hand. Um, Surely if you haven't used them you've all gotten those pieces. Um, and, uh, And if you do it though, do it with yellow. Don't start doing it with teal and pink and a bunch of other colors which the non-direct response guys doing direct response have started to do. Um, I had a big conversation about this about three weeks ago with somebody. Well, you can go into the stationary store, and there are pink highlighters and blue highlighters and green highlighters. So we should be able to do pink, blue, and green ink, and they'll understand it. Yeah, when you say highlighter, everybody thinks yellow. You know. I mean, there's pink taxi cabs too. But if we're going to put a taxi cab in a movie, what do we put in? A yellow cab. I mean, let's not fight the familiar. So yellow highlighter if you're gonna do it. The handwritten margin note stuff, terrific. Uh, But when you do it, don't do it too neat. I mean, it should look like at the last minute you went through and scrawled these important notes. Uh, So don't worry about perfect handwriting. Um, Yeah. No. Uh, certainly not for this. If you're gonna do margin notes, usually at the same time you're gonna do margin notes, by the way, you're gonna go through a piece and you're gonna circle this and you're gonna underline this and you're gonna draw arrows. Um, But even if all you were gonna do is do margin notes, why would you, see I can understand wanting to use some of those like to address an envelope because you wanna automate the process instead of do the process manually. But why on earth would you need to do that for margin notes? You're only doing one original so to go through and do it by hand is faster than doing it with the computer, with the type styles. So there's no justification for it to save time or money. And if you want handwriting, handwriting. Um, and, um, and in most cases, it can be yours um, or staff person's. Um, yes, thought I saw a hand. Um, small quantities you can personalize by having the computer drop in the name and stuff in matching type. So why does it make it harder to do this? Why couldn't you have a, why you have a letter with handwritten margin notes all over it that was also personalized by the computer? Oh, because it can't come out of your desktop printer. You're trying to get this out of your desktop printer. I got it. Um, you shouldn't be getting your stuff out of your desktop printer. That's, that's the real answer to your question. Um, but but if, you ins- if you're doing it in such small quantities that that's the, that's the only thing that makes sense, then go through and do everyone by hand. That's the next answer to your question. Uh, or, or schlep it over to a copy shop, you know, and run 10. But um, don't let – there's another guy in here who's decided – I just sent a note to – who's decided uh, – because he wants to do catalogs in small quantities, he's decided to become the – colored desktop printer technician of all time and produce these catalogs onesie twosies. Um, First of all, your time's too valuable to screw around with that, or it should be. But beyond that, don't let technology dictate to you how you do your marketing. It's as bad a mistake as letting operations dictate to you how you do your marketing. Um, it's, It's the same mistake. What should dictate how you do your marketing is what's most effective. And then it's the job of your operational personnel, be that one person, ten, or if that's you with your other hat on, to figure out how to facilitate what's the best marketing. You can't let anything else dictate, oh, we can't do that because we don't have this software program, or we can't do that because we want to do it this way, or we can't do that because we can't keep track of installment payments, or we can't do... All that's nonsense. I mean, that has to be done because this is the most effective thing we can do. Okay? Yes? Yes? Um, no, not necessarily. How do you decide what to highlight or what to underline or what to boldface or some combination thereof? Um, well, here, I, I give you one answer. There's, and This is not an instinctive answer, so this is a mechanical answer. One answer is you're trying to create uh, a second readership path so that Through the combination of things that you do, if that's all they looked at, at the end of the page, they got it, okay? So the combination of the subheads, what you underlined, what you bold-faced, what you italicized, what you highlighted, what you drew an arrow to and circled, if they went they got it, okay? Now, it's also hopefully sucking them back in so they want to go back and read everything. But if that's all they read, they got it. Now, that's a mechanical answer to your question. Okay? The less mechanical answer to your question is, I try and draw emphasis to things like key benefits, specifics, um, numbers uh, i made I lost uh, forty three pounds in twelve weeks in, uh, f- with one of these devices i 'm probably going to try and emphasize the forty three pounds in the twelve weeks um, try and draw attention to things that get an emotional reaction um, uh, some fire alarms talking about burning buildings, statistics When we get to uh, uh, 50,000 uh, babies in burn wards uh, horribly deformed. Every, we're probably going to highlight babies horribly deformed. Um, you know, we're looking for a... Mm. Now that's less mechanical than the first answer I gave you, and the two combined are really the whole answer. Is that helpful at all? Yeah, okay, yes. I kind of like a four-page letter is it better to
0: have four separate pieces of paper, two...
1: Now you're okay. Different pages, folder. You're now you're in the same category as he was talking about earlier with why nothing ever gets done. Now you've drifted into the area of it. Don't make any difference. Uh, uh, it, it, all of uh, that's largely irrelevant. Uh, the, whatever will get it out the door, well, and or whatever's cheaper. Yeah, it's cheaper Sometimes it is. I mean, if you're only doing six of them, it's not. I mean, it depends on who's doing what. But uh, but it doesn't make any difference. Okay? Um, okay. Um, then there's this line here, fingerprints, paw prints, coffee stains. That's like oddball stuff. Uh, in most cases, you've got to be doing quantity to do it. Um, but um, um, uh, like there's a very famous control letter that is uh, mailed, and it has a big coffee cup stain on it, like you set a cup on it and it overflowed and it's printed in coffee colored, I mean, it, you look at it and you believe that you got the one and only copy of this and some numbnuts set a coffee cup on it that's exactly, I mean, you get it, you know And um, uh, so there's some of that kind of stuff, there's, there's another control piece uh, that's been used for years and years and years that has tire tracks over it where the guy, you, you know, it looks like somebody backed their car over it uh, there's, a, there's, there's a company in Florida that sends out about 100,000 pieces a month that are crumpled. The paper's crumpled, the envelopes, the whole mess is screwed up before it ever went in the mail. The post office hates him. Uh, he crumples these things and then flattens them back out enough to put them in the mail. Um, so when you get this piece, it, you know, it's a mess. Um, there's an envelope now. I'm dying to emulate this envelope. It will be expensive because you're going to have to do full color. But it was in DM News. We talked about it at the Platinum meeting, I think, a couple of meetings ago, where the, this envelope, it's a window envelope. Check shows to it. And the outside of the envelope is completely looks like somebody's had it on their desk and been doodling on it for, like, weeks. So in four different color inks and handwritings, it's got doodles and drawings and little smiley faces and mathematical calculations. And there's a smear of something across it in one place. I mean, it just looks like somebody's been using it, you know, for scratch paper for six weeks. Um, I think it's perfect. I mean, it's just, it's going to stand out. Somebody's going to look at it twice. They're going to think it's the only one they got. What? Who did this to mine? And they're going to open it. and. Um, Uh, So you can do all those things. You can do paw prints. You can do fingerprints. You can do footprints. Uh, Stains, I mean, like with grabbers, attachments, here there's the only limit here is your imagination and then what perhaps economically you can get a printer to uh, replicate. Um, uh, Photographs, we'll table that. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, Cartoons. Uh, Can add interest. Can get a piece read. Uh, There are licensing issues uh, when you use them unless you have it done for you. Uh, Charts when it's mandated, when it it, it helps, when it explains something. Um, And uh, this would be my short list of all the ways I'd fool with the way a piece looks. You've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the
0: diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all dance courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.